You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. It's about following the master like an apprentice on a job site. Like you're learning Jesus's trade. In order to do that, you need to know Jesus really well. You need to know what is he all about? What did he spend his time doing? What did he commit his life to? What were his skills and how would you acquire his skills if you're his apprentice? That's a great picture of what it would look like for us as disciples, as a family full of, of apprentices. We would look like a bunch of people who are trying to figure out who Jesus is, what he, what he was all about. Our conversation would be peppered with learning how to follow Jesus, learning who Jesus is, spurring each other on, and encouraging each other when we see, like, hey, I noticed that like one of the things Jesus was really good at is noticing people and really caring about them. And, and, and like he would care about people that a lot of people didn't seem to care about. And that's something that I see a lot and when I learn about him in the Gospels. And I don't know if you know this, but you seem to be awesome at that skill. You're picking up on one of the master skills, like you're apprenticing well. Right? So we would notice those things in each other and encourage each other. So those are some of the things that help us kind of start to shift away from this uh, tourist mindset. Another word that I want us to be thinking about is a word that we all know, but we probably don't imagine ourselves as one. And that word is pilgrim. Okay. When I say pilgrim, you probably think of Thanksgiving time, right? And the people with the funny collars and the cool hats. They look a lot like state trooper hats now that I think about it. Why do state troopers wear pilgrim hats? As Aaron would say, that's another sermon for another day. Probably never. Uh, so when I think of pilgrims, it always reminds me of when we were kids were little and we'd make all the little like Thanksgiving stuff for them at school and you'd make construction paper, paper pilgrim hats and collars and all the cool stuff. Um, maybe I was the only one that thought that was awesome. <laughs> Welcome to nerdy life with that when pilgrim hats are cool. All right. So here's the thing about pilgrim. As a word, it conjures up some imagery, right? Like it's, it, pilgrim is a word that helps tell us that we're people that are always on the move. We're going somewhere. We're on a journey. And as a church full of pilgrims apprenticed to Jesus, we're going to be on a journey together and we're going to be continually going somewhere. We're not just stale, stagnant, sitting in a place trying to just soak up knowledge. We're more like a group full of people who are apprenticed to Jesus, who are following him out in our everyday lives, trying to learn his trade on a journey together as we get to know God. That's starting to paint a different picture for us than the tourist mindset. It's starting to give us a mindset shift to people that are, are on a, a long-term trip. We're going somewhere. And there's going to be a lot of lessons along the way. And that's really what this series is going to help symbolize for us, is what is it like to grow as a Christian? What is it like for us as a church to grow as a family of Christians together? Not just as individuals growing in your personal relationship with the Lord, but as a, a family full of Christians growing together, knowing each other better, understanding each other better, and also getting to know the Lord better along the way. And so this series, I hope, is going to help us do both of those things really well. And so we're building this series around something that's really cool. It's a thing that's happened for thousands of years. Uh, God's people 
as many of you know, uh, take pilgrimages to Jerusalem multiple times a year for the festivals. And along these pilgrimages, they do some things that traditionally uh, have been done for thousands of years. In fact, Jesus would have done these very same things. Is They sing these songs that are referred to as the songs of ascent. And there's all sorts of neat background to study and learn about the songs of ascent. And so for those of you that are eager to dig in and study a little bit, start doing some homework on the songs of ascent. We're going to spend some time going on a journey and the songs of ascent are going to be our guide, uh, kind of help build the map for us, if you will. And these songs are songs that symbolize or, or were sung along the way to Jerusalem by the pilgrims. And they're called songs of ascent because here's the cool thing. Uh, it's a little bit like Pullman. Um, no matter where you start, you're going to go uphill to get to Jerusalem. Like there is no flat road to Jerusalem. It's at the top. And no matter where you start, you're going to ascend. And the pilgrims that would, uh, that would God's people that would return to Jerusalem would sing these songs. Uh, we know them in our modern Bible as Psalms 120 through 134. So Psalms 120 through 134 are going to help shape and guide our journey over the next many weeks. We're going to take those 15 Psalms and we're going to break them down and we're going to dissect them and we're going to put ourselves in the shoes of the author of those songs and we're going to learn what is it exactly that they were writing about. Where, what, where, were the, where were they coming from? What was going on in their life at the time? Why were they so angry? Why were they so hurt? Why were they so uh, excited? Why were they so full of joy? Like, and we're going to learn to unpack those songs and, uh, and learn what they teach us about who God is and about who we are. We're going to learn to personalize the Psalms and put ourselves uh, in those as if we were authoring them. What would it be like if we wrote those songs ourselves? We're going to learn about all kinds of amazing things like worship and uh, blessing and community and repentance and providence and, and all these different things that we're going to unpack along this journey together. Now here's the thing. Uh, for us as Christians, for us as Christians, as we go on this journey, there's something else that we need to remember. And it's, it's an important part of our relationship with the Lord is that, is that Jesus calls us to be uh, an example, to be his ambassadors. He also says and taught in the Sermon on the Mount that we are, as Christians, like uh, as a body of believers, we are supposed to resemble a city on a hill. A city on a hill that can't be hidden, that sticks out like a sore thumb in a good way, right? We're easy to find for all the right reasons. And as a city on a hill, we stick out because we are modeling and showing the people around us what does it look like to be uh, a part of a, a church that is on a pilgrimage to get to know God better? What, what does it look like to, to be invited in to learn how to be an apprentice to Jesus? Like, where would you even go to start? Oh, I know. It sticks out like a sore thumb. Those guys up there, let's go where they're at. Like, they seem to be doing it. And so we're supposed to be this city on a hill. Another way that he said it is that we're supposed to be like a light that you put on a table and you turn the light on in the room so that what? It lights up the room, right? And he says, nobody takes a light that is meant to light up a dark room and then just covers up the light. It wouldn't make any sense. He says, in the same way, let our good deeds shine before men. So like the way we act, 
the way we behave, the way we talk, what we put our lives into and what we're known for is supposed to be like a light that shines out around us to help people see this is what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. This is what it looks like to have the Holy Spirit in and working through you. Like, and, and there are times in our walk as Christians when we remember these things and it is so encouraging and it's so exciting and it is like uplifting it, and humbling. And it's just so cool to think like the God of the universe wants me to light up a room for him. Like he's, he is trusting me. He is willing to use me to show other people what it's like to get to know his son. Like how humbling is that and how exciting and cool is that? And it's like, what an honor and a privilege to get to represent God. And there's times where it rings true to us in that way. And then there's times as Christians when we are not doing so hot in our walk with the Lord, when we've caved into sin, when we're struggling when shame and guilt is weighing us down and maybe anxiety and stress has got the best of us and our feet are not on the path that leads to the Lord anymore. Our feet are off the path and we're in the briar patch and we're in a mess and we know that we're the ones that walked ourselves into the mess and so that brings more frustration and more guilt and more shame and more blech and we're just like, Lord, right now of all the times, today is not a good me be an example day, right? If you're expecting me to stick up there on the table and turn my light on so everybody can see my stuff, right now is not a good day you don't want to see in here. I don't know if you've ever had a day like that. Where the idea of being an example, a city on a hill, a light that's supposed to light up the room, this ambassador for Jesus, you're like, this is not my best ambassador day. Can I take a pass? And sometimes I think we forget when we get in that muck and we get off the path and we get in the briars, we forget that we're not alone, that you're a part of a family here at Real Life beyond real life, a part of our Jesus family, of all of our, our fellow Christians in our community, and you're a part of a bigger family that goes beyond that to people that have gone before us. And the writer of Hebrews wrote some words that I think are, uh, it's a chunk of scripture that probably all of us should have somewhere in our home. We should have this like stuck on the backside of the medicine cabinet behind the deodorant where you know you're going to see it once in a while, you know, or somewhere, right? You put it in your spot because all of us struggle and get down. All of us get off the path. All of us have those days where we're like, today's not my example day, Lord. And and we can feel alone and isolated and we need to be reminded that Jesus went before us. We need to be reminded that others went before us. I want to read this passage for you. Um, I'm reading it out of the message translation, which if you're not familiar with that, there's a guy named Eugene Peterson who just translated the Bible into modern English. Um, And it's not really what you would call a study Bible by any means, but it's a great devotional, like everyday read it like a book Bible. Uh, And I love the way that he writes this part of the the scripture. So I want to read it to you. Think about this in those times when you need encouragement. It says in Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it. 
because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. And when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility that he plowed through, that, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. When you're on E and your I'm not a good example days are, are weighing you down, it's, you look to the author and perfecter of our faith. You remember, you play that story over and over in your mind of who Jesus is and how he lived and what he did and how faithful he stayed to the cause. And, and beyond that, it says that you, you think about the pioneers who blazed the way. He's talking about the, the people that are mentioned in the chapter previous. In Hebrews 11, it's known as the Hall of Faith uh, chapter in the Bible. And so in Hebrews 11, it lists off all of these amazing superheroes of the faith. Abraham and Isaac and Sarah and Jacob and Joshua and Moses. And it goes on and on. And it talks about all the things that they persevered through and the circumstances that they hung in there through. And he's calling us to imagine them as pioneers of the faith that blazed the way so that we have examples to look to that have been where we've been, that have gone through the things that we've gone through and have persevered and stayed the course. And, and it's, a, uh, it's this idea, this imagery of imagining that they're uh, a great cloud of witnesses. In most translations, Hebrews 12.1 says that, imagine because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And I think a lot of times in your faith, depending on where you're at, you may read that and you may be like, I have no idea what that's talking about. Like, what is a cloud of witnesses? That just sounds weird. What he's talking about is imagine all of the people of the faith that have gone before us. Imagine they're sitting in the stands at Martin Stadium and you're trying to run another lap, but you're exhausted, you're wore out, you don't know if you want to do this Christian thing anymore. Your pastor's calling you to go on a journey to get to know God and you're like, my journey and legs are weak. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I don't know if I can do it. I, I don't know if I'm up for getting back on the path and following God. And it says, look to the stands and imagine who is there cheering you on. Could you imagine looking up and seeing Sarah or Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or Moses calling out to you and saying, I see you, you can do it. And the stands would be full of people that you know, the superheroes in your life, the superheroes of your faith that have gone before you. Maybe it was your grandma or your grandpa or a great grandparent that you heard stories about that had so much influence over someone in your family that eventually led you to come to the Lord. Like, imagine people that actually know you in your stand saying, I see you, I got you, you can do this. Like, like keep at it. That's this picture that the author of Hebrews wants us to have is that, is that we're being encouraged. Not only can we do this because Christ has gone before us and showed us the way, but there's this huge audience that's cheering us on, encouraging us. And so that's the mindset that we need to have as we get ready to go on this journey together. To be reminded that we can do it. 
that Jesus has showed us the way, he's paved the way, that there are people cheering us on, that you're a part of a family that wants to do it together with you, and that we're going to embark on something that has been done for thousands of years. We're going we're gonna to take a step out every week in faith to continue to follow Christ, to continue to get to know God better, and we're going to dig into these psalms, and we're going to grow, and we're going to learn, and we're going to be challenged, and we're going to think different and new about who God is and, and what his plans are for us. So that's, that's what this series is going to be about. And that's what I'm excited to have you guys join and be a part of. And then um, I just want to wrap up before we take communion by just talking to you a little bit about uh, inviting and encouraging people to come on the journey with you. Uh, for years, the statistics have always said that the number one reason people always give when it comes to not going to a church is the number one reason above and beyond every other reason is always nobody invited me. Okay, so everybody you know, don't ever let that be their reason. You can't control everybody, but you know a bunch of people. Don't ever let anybody you know have the reason that they never went to church and never got invited to get on this journey to get to know God be because nobody invited them. You can solve that one. They may or may not come, but it'll eliminate that reason, right? So I want you to really be in. Uh, be thinking about who are you going to invite? Like I mentioned earlier at the beginning of this, this series, we're living in weird times. This is weird stuff we're going through. All this COVID stuff and fires and chaos and riots and election and blah, right? Like, and then you keep on it that we live in this college town and there's uh, eyes on us from all around the state because of students here and what's going to happen. And there's all this stuff. And so what happens is it feels like every few minutes, it feels like, there's a curveball. Like we sort of feel like we get our feet, our footing under us and then something new happens and it changes and now we're not sure about something again and it takes away our stability. And it, it's just so important. It's so important that we are helping people get to know who Jesus is. Get to get their footing firmly put on the path that's going to lead to them getting to know God. And some people might be comfortable coming uh, in person some people might be more comfortable coming online. And I, I want to share a little story with you because I think when I've talked to a lot of people about the church online stuff, a lot of people are sort of like frustrated with the church online thing. Like it's not the same. It's not real church. And it's like the internet. You can't have church on Facebook. And um, I just want to tell you that I, I'm going to tell you one story and I could easily tell you 50 of these that have happened in the last couple of months to me personally. Our call is to reach people for Jesus Christ. All of us. This technology gives us an opportunity to reach people. And, and for the naysayers that are like, oh, it's like it's not the same. Man, I've built so many relationships with so many people over the last several months that I had never met before and don't know via technology. And you're not going to tell me for a second that they're not real people and real relationships and real friendships. And I, when I go to their town, I will gladly stop and see them and I'll have a place to stay like I would at a friend. Uh, last week, a couple of weeks ago, a friend, um, <laughs> say this the right way, an acquaintance, somebody I knew when I grew up, but I never really was good friends with them or anything, started watching the Jesus Time daily devotional stuff I've been doing in the mornings. And so he started watching the Jesus Time stuff, and he works at a sawmill. And so he started talking to a buddy of his at the sawmill and telling him about this devotional stuff because this buddy was telling him about how much he's struggling in life and marriage, and, and he's just not doing good. And, and they shared some stuff, and this friend invites this other friend 
friend says, hey, you should watch this pastor guy. I used to go to high school with him, and he's doing this deal, and you should watch it. So this other guy starts watching, and, and he watches a couple of days, sends me a message earlier this week. I don't know him. I've never met him. I have no idea who he is. Uh, and he sends me this message and spills us a whole bunch of personal stuff. Like, it's a very authentic, vulnerable, real message about... I'm married. I got a couple kids. Life is not going the way I expected. I'm not doing well. Like, and just shared a bunch of personal stuff, and that led to a conversation. And so then we start having a conversation via technology, via Facebook. That you know nobody can be discipled over Facebook. And we start having this conversation over Facebook Messenger, which leads me to think as I'm sitting there, uh, the Lord just pops this other person in my mind. And now I've got another guy that's been watching Jesus Time for months and I've hung out with. And as another guy I know that I grew up with years ago. And, and I feel like the Lord's just like, this guy needs to be this guy's mentor and disciple. And so I start putting the works together to try and figure out how to introduce these guys because I know they live in the same town. And as I start to figure out how to navigate meeting, you know, introducing these two, they live several hours away. I'm not the guy to disciple either one of them. And I start to find out that not only do they live in the same town, they actually go to the same church. And they don't know each other. They're meeting each other. And this guy is going to disciple this guy and mentor this guy. And there's another guy that works with him at the sawmill. And I could totally see this rolling into this awesome men's group in the same town at the same place with a bunch of people that went to the same church that didn't know each other. Like, don't ever underestimate or second-guess inviting somebody to come to church online stuff. Sharing those posts, sharing the invitations, encouraging your friends and family that are from far away, saying, hey, watch this. If you want a safe place to, to know where you're going to hear the gospel and you're going to be surrounded by Jesus people, like, come here. We've got people coming from all over the place. You guys know we got a church joining us from Baker, Montana. We've got people from Oregon, California, Virginia, Florida. We've got people watching from all over the place. And what's starting to happen is I'm starting to build rapport with those people that are watching from all over the place. And I'm starting to build a team of people that are helping me with online church. And we're starting to figure out how to partner you all in this room with people that you may, be, you may get a phone call from me one day saying, hey, I thought of a gal when I thought of you and her, and she's in Florida, but she needs to be discipled, and she's looking for somebody to help her get to know Jesus. Would you be up for that? And you may get the call to, to join in and help disciple somebody that doesn't live in our town. Woohoo! Right? So I just share all of that to say, don't wimp out on encouraging people to come to church with you, whether it's in person or online. Go for it. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.